Welcome to the Small Bowler Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who loves playing his Call of Duty. Not sure if he's better than me at it, but nevertheless, Brandon Siegel. How are you doing? Trevor, I'm, <laughs> I, not only am I convinced I'm better than you, I know I'm better than you. And that's just a fact. Well, so... Um, but yes, I've been playing Call of Duty. I'm actually streaming nowadays um, on Twitch. It's SB Ravens on Twitch if you guys want to watch me stream. Um, and it's, it's been fun. I've only streamed a couple times, but I really, really enjoy it. And I'm, I'm probably going to keep on doing it. And hopefully we get some small baller streams uh, a little bit, you know, yeah. upcoming. Maybe for some drafts or something, we can, we can stream live, something like that. But it, it's, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm definitely better than you at Call of Duty. But we have a great episode planned today. Um, in what, what, you know, what episode number is this? Are we at 80, like 87 or 86? We're closing in on that century mark. Yes. We, we, we're going to have to do something 100. special for that, that hundred mark. I don't know what it is, but we'll, we'll have to try to do something special. Um, but let's start this episode off today, Trevor. Let's get over to some college basketball. I know you're, you don't want to talk about this, but I think you also do kind of want to talk about it. Uh, your Mountaineers, number seven in the nation. Lost 79-65 to 65 to the Kansas Jayhawks. So tell me about this game. What are some of your thoughts on this game and how they both teams played? Yeah, so I, w- I was really confident uh, that West Virginia was going to win this game. Obviously, I was very wrong, um, and that's why I will not be confident about um, any of my favorite teams ever again. I, I, at least I will try not to be. And then, and then you'll hear me in a few months when the Miami Heat are, you know, have the second best record in the East. And I'm going to be confident in them. I'm going to try not to be, though. But uh, <laughs> anyway, this game was – it was – pretty frustrating uh the Kansas Jayhawks just shot very well in this game they looked really good um early on they were just lights out from three they ended up shooting 43 percent from three I think at one point it was maybe around the 50 percent mark uh they were shooting very well um you know you have Christian Braun who was six of 12 from three he was you know he was making everything basically um and, and West Virginia did not play the best defense it wasn't the typical West Virginia defense that you know, most fans um, have been accustomed to um, where that, the half-court defense we, we've seen in some of these games so far this year has been really good. Uh, and we know in years past how good the West Virginia defense is, whether they're running the, uh, the, uh, the press or whether they aren't. It's always really good. They have guards that can, you know, uh, get some pressure on you, get some steals. Uh, you have a good front court that can block shots and really makes it tough to drive into the lane. But Kansas, they shot very well. Um, it, it it didn't seem to really phase Kansas. They kind of, you know, they were on their home floor in uh, Allen Fieldhouse, and they're we all as we all know. If you watch college basketball, if you watch Kansas, you know how good Kansas is on their home floor. They rarely lose. Yep. And a stat that I hate to you know. Uh, mention, but West Virginia is actually now 0-9 playing at Allen Fieldhouse, which um, is a rough one. It's a rough one. We have not won at Allen Fieldhouse ever. So that's, you know, it sucks. And in, in West Virginia, in addition to the defense not, you know, playing that well, um, the it's, it's the shooting again, which that's an issue that I've talked about in the past. West Virginia is not the best three-point shooting team. We did have Sean McNeil, who did hit six threes, and he was on fire early in this game. But outside of that, outside of just Sean McNeil, the rest of the team was two of 13 from three, um, and the team overall was about 35%. So Sean McNeil, he had the hot shooting. They were only down a point. And then when uh, he kind of cooled off, that's when Kansas uh, extended the lead, and uh, this game ended up not being very close. So it was unfortunate. Um, you know, you had, uh, Derek Culver 
and Oscar Shibway, Oscar Shibway in particular, he was getting in foul trouble. And then it seemed like David McCormick, someone who for Kansas, their their center, who maybe some people you know weren't as high on. He wasn't playing quite as well. Played very well in this game. I got to give him his props. Uh, David McCormick had 11 rebounds. Um, definitely some of them, six of them, were actually offensive rebounds, which is not something you would expect. Uh, you know, usually you think that West Virginia they're gonna out rebound other teams, and especially as far as offensive rebounding, they're gonna you know get a lot of offensive rebounds. But actually, in this game. West Virginia and Kansas had the same amount of offensive rebounds with 19. So when that happens, uh, it's going to be tough for West Virginia to win because offensive rebounding is one of their biggest um, identity uh, markers. So this game was tough. I think West Virginia will bounce back. Still, We're still a really good team. Uh, it's just that Kansas, you know, they're too good at home, and they shot very well. Yeah, so I, I have a question for you, Trevor. So one thing that seems like it might be an issue for Kansas is uh, they don't go deep into their bench at all. And even the bench players that did play, they barely played. I mean, they only accounted, the bench only scored four points of the total 79. Do you think Kansas is going to have an issue moving forward uh, with, you know, it seems like a bench that is not quite, you know, good enough in terms of skill level? Um. So that's, that's an interesting question. Um. I think that, you know, like Mitch Lightfoot, for example, on their bench, he is a senior. He's been pretty good in years past for Kansas, and he hasn't, like, had a big impact so far for Kansas. He hasn't played a ton, even though when he has played, he's been an efficient scorer. He's only averaging, like, three or four points a game, even though he's, like, 60% from the floor. But uh, So, yeah, they have him. They have a couple other, like, you know, decent players. Uh, Brace Thompson's a pretty good freshman that they got out of uh, Oklahoma. So, yeah, I don't think they go deep into their bench, and that could hurt them against a team like Gonzaga, and it already did when they played. Um, but overall, I don't. I, I think it's like a minor issue. I don't think it's a huge issue because mm-hmm. overall, with like when you have a strong five like they do, and they're able to, um, it, it didn't seem like they got tired. You know, they all played. You know, 35, 36 minutes, and they played very well. So. I, I'm not too concerned about it overall. I still think Kansas, you know, they're starting to really play. They're starting to play much better than they were earlier in the season. Like, for example, when they played against Kentucky, I didn't think they looked as good, um, although they actually they, they weren't shooting nearly as well as they did in this game. So that's part of the factor. But I like the team makeup, I think, you know, with Bill Self, um, you know, and obviously the talent they have. Jalen Wilson's been a, a big standout for Kansas. Christian Braun's shooting well. Um, you know, Marcus Garrett and Agbaji, you know, they're playing very well. It's, it's just, it's just Kansas is Kansas and every year they're going to be good. And this year is no different. They've been more consistent than maybe like any other team. I mean, you even see like, like Duke who is like having a bad year this year so far, at least Kansas and Kansas is really, I, I can't think of a time um, where Kansas was just like a, a bad team. I just can't remember it. Maybe it happened, but it hasn't been for a while, and, and they're really good again this year. So, Yeah, 100%. So let's, let's move on to our final college basketball game that we want to talk about, Michigan State-Wisconsin, which I can't wait to talk about this. You know, anytime Michigan State loses, that's a, that's a positive thing for me because uh, I hate Michigan State. Um, and you know what's interesting, Trevor, as I'm looking at the box score of this game, Michigan State shot 70, or 47% from the field. 72 from three and almost 88% uh, from the foul line. 
So they outshot in every category except overall field goal percentage, but they hit the same amount of field goals in total with Wisconsin, but ended up losing the game by nine. So tell me how this happens. Yeah, so, I mean, one of the reasons is the turnovers. I mean, uh, one player in particular, Aaron Henry, who I, I like Aaron Henry. I've just always liked uh, watching him. I, I think he is a really solid player, but in this game, uh, he did not play very well. He had seven turnovers. Just think about that. One player in a college basketball game with seven turnovers is pretty insane. Um, so they turned the ball over 14 times total compared to Wisconsin seven. Uh, Wisconsin slightly out-rebounded them as well. Uh, Wisconsin had 29 rebounds. Actually, no, they didn't. Actually, it was 30 to 29. But it seemed like the turnovers were the biggest thing here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and it, it makes sense because Michigan State has more younger players. You know, Wisconsin, they start, I think they start five seniors. Um, so, you know, you got Micah Potter, who, you know, we both know pretty well. He played at Menor High School. Um, mm-hmm. And then they got like, Nate Reavers, who has been very relevant for Wisconsin. They got Demetric Trice, Brad Davison, both senior guards. So, yeah, I believe, is Aleem Ford also a senior? I think he is. Yeah, so they start five seniors. So very experienced uh, team that Wisconsin has, um, which, you know, we're accustomed to with Wisconsin. They don't necessarily produce a lot of one-and-dones. It's usually always um, these four-year players. And if they can get a roster with a lot of experience, then they're always going to be good. And I think that's the case. Whereas Michigan State, they lost their best, I mean, one of the best guards in the country last year, Cassius Winston. Now they have to rely on Lankford, who, you know, hasn't really played like in the past couple of years with obviously the, the bad injury. Now he's back. You know, he, it's been a little rough for him so far. And then Rocket Watts, he's a sophomore. He's young. He's still trying to learn uh, as well. You know, so neither of them had great games. And um, right. I think that's really what it comes down to here is experience and Wisconsin overall right like right now at this moment in time is uh, much more experienced and, and thus they're the better team. 100%. So let's let's stay with college sports here uh, and kind of go over to college football. Uh, we got some big games coming up. Um, what, what what day are these? Are they on the they're on New Year's, right? The uh, yeah. playoff games. Mm-hmm. So uh, we got four o'clock and eight o'clock on New Year's Day. Notre Dame-Alabama is our first game. So, Trevor, what is your prediction? Alabama is favored by 19-and-a-half. Wow, 19-and-a-half. I'm not—I mean, I think that's probably about right, to be honest, because I think it's probably going to be more than that. Uh, I think they might win by more than that. I think Alabama definitely is a heavy favorite in this game. They should be. Um, We've seen in years past, and I I don't like to look too much at, like, what we've seen in past years because the teams are always different, but— I, I think there's a little bit of it here where I just I keep thinking back to like what we see in these one four matchups with like an Alabama versus Notre Dame or an Alabama versus an Oklahoma or or whoever it is or even like a Clemson versus whoever that fourth team is. And we get a lot of blowouts. We get a lot of, you know, 20, 30 point victories. Um, I know in that Alabama Oklahoma game a few years ago it was a blowout and then Oklahoma like came back to make the store score look a little bit closer. But I, I think this one's a blowout. I think that Alabama is too strong. Um, we just saw Clemson beat Notre Dame by, I, I think it was like 24 points. So I, I could see Alabama doing the same exact thing. I don't think this one will be particularly close. And I don't know how uh, Notre Dame's going to stop Alabama's offense. Like, I think Alabama could put up uh, 40, maybe even 50 points. So I, I don't see this one being close. But I, I do hope that Notre Dame can make it at least somewhat of a game. Yeah, uh, this game's not going to be a close game. It just isn't. Um, you look at Najee Harris, who's one of my favorite college football players, and Najee, 
I remember when he committed to Alabama. I wanted to go to Michigan so bad. Um, it was between Michigan and Alabama. You know, I think he ended up choosing or making a good decision because he's having an insane year. I, I mean, just absolutely insane. Uh, so I, I expect Alabama to win this one big. So let's let's go over to Ohio State-Clemson because I think this is a much more interesting game. Clemson is favored by 7.5. Ohio State has had some defensive problems this year. They've had COVID issues, a lot of players out. Um, I'm not sure who's able to play in this game and who isn't able to play. Um, but, I mean, Trevor, is this just a, an, an easy Clemson win, or do you think they'll have some trouble with Ohio State? Um, it's hard. I, I don't want to say that it's a blowout because I don't think – I, I think I have too much faith in Ohio State to to just get completely blown out. So I think it'll be a pretty good game. Um, we saw last year this was a really good game when they, they played. I think there's a little bit more of a separation this year than there was last year, uh, meaning that I think Clemson is is probably maybe just – probably a little bit better or just as good. I think Ohio State actually is a little bit worse this year than they were last year. And you mentioned the injuries. That's part of it. Um and, and they've been they've been kind of inconsistent. Yes, they're undefeated, but the way they're winning some of these games, it just like leaves you leaves you like kind of hesitant. It's like, can Ohio State win the national championship? Can they? You know, are are they going to slip up and lose one of these games, like the Indiana game or the Northwestern game? And they they win them, but they also haven't faced a team like Clemson yet. So I think Clemson's going to win it. You know, by I don't know, maybe like ten points or even like a two touchdown win, something like that. Yeah, so I I kind of expect a similar thing. You know, I, I expect Clemson to win, um, but I, I, I hope Ohio State can make it close. I want to see another good game. Um, and if Fields plays as well as I know he can play, it, it'll be a close game. I still think Clemson pulls this one out. I'll say Clemson wins by 10. Um, so let's let's uh, move forward. We'll, we'll go more into the, uh, the final game, closer to that game. Uh, you know, the two teams that we see it being, or that it is, and it ends up being. Uh, when that time comes. But let's go over to some small talk trivia today, Trevor. Um, so what is the score at the moment? The score is 38-33. to 33. You are still in the lead. Okay, perfect, perfect. Um, okay, so I think I'm reading this question correctly. Um, so what player um, average, or had the most amount of free throws in a single season? And if you can get the number within 50... I will give you another point, and I will make that I will make them exclusive. You can get either one. So, what player had the most free throws in a single season? Okay, so what what NBA player shot the most free throws in a single season? And you and yeah. you said uh, I can get a bonus within what's what's yeah. the margin? Uh, you actually, said? I should say I think these are made free throws. I think I should say these are made. Oh, free okay, throws. made free throws specifically. Yes. Okay, so made made free throws, and you said if I what, what was the margin you said if I guess the number within fifty within fifty. Okay, okay, so in a season, um, so right off the bat, I think of James Harden. That's that's one of the guys I think of right away. Uh, that's had a lot of free throws. Obviously, made a lot of free throws. He's a good free throw shooter, uh, and he shoots a lot of them. Um, I know that, you know, you you can think about other guys who attack the basket. You know they they get a lot of calls at the rim, like so yeah like LeBron definitely has shot a lot of free throws I'm sure in many seasons younger when he was younger probably you know first stint with the Cavs oh eight oh nine ten he probably has a lot of made free throws then uh, Dwayne Wade you could say you could say Michael Jordan potentially 
Um, you know, you, you could say a lot of guys like that who attack the basket a lot. Russell Westbrook, I'm sure, you know, has a lot of made free throws in, you know, certain seasons, maybe the 2017 season. But I think this one is probably James Harden. Um, that's where I'm leaning, certainly. Um, and, and there's no other name that's, like, coming up where I'm like, eh, it might be another guy. Le- LeBron, I guess it's possible, but I, I don't think it's him. I think it's James Harden. So that is going to be my answer. I think James Harden has the most free throws in a season. Now, the number... Okay. Um, so the number of free throws. So 82 games. If if he made 10 in, per game, which probably isn't the case. That's pretty high. That would be 800 free throws. Um, I'm going to say it's, it's definitely less than that. I don't think he averaged 10 made free throws. But I'm going to say... Uh, I'm just going to go with a, a wild guess here, and I'll say 575 free throws made. Okay, so sadly, Trevor, I cannot award you any points today. Okay. Um, the correct answer was Jerry West in the 1965-1966 season. He had 840 free throws that season. Wow. He actually averaged over 10. In a game or per wow, game, that's James Harden is high on this list at seven. He had 754 in the 2018-2019 season, um, and Russell Westbrook in that season that you mentioned had 710. He's 18th on the list. Um, hmm. The highest current player is Kevin Durant with 756 in the 2009-2010 season. Wow. So I cannot award you any points today with those answers, but they were good guesses for sure. Okay. Okay. All right. So with my question, uh, it's going to go back to the NFL. It's going to be a little. Uh, you know, not not the same as, as last week, but you gave an NFL stat last week. I'm going to give a different NFL stat this week. So okay. my question is, who is the NFL quarterback of, like, all time with the highest completion percentage in a single season? Okay, so highest completion percentage in a single season. Correct? Yes. All right. So... And does it have to be, like, did they have to, like, play the whole, like, what is the parameter? Do you know the parameter? Um, of... that's a good question. Um, let's see here. I mean, it's, I have a it's, guess. There's... It's someone, like, it's someone who played essentially a whole season. It's it's not going to be someone who played, like, two games. I'll, I'll tell you that. It's, yeah, it's definitely someone who played... Like the whole season, I believe. Uh, so I, let's see. I have a guess. There's one guy who I don't think you like very much, who kind of consistently gets high completion percentages, and that's Drew Brees. And I'm pretty sure it's him. I just feel like he always gets really high completion percentages, and I would imagine that he'd have to have the highest just off that logic. Um. It could be Lamar this past season, but I don't think he hit, like, a stupid high amount. Like, I don't think it was, like, like, I thought it was, like, high 60s, like, kind of a regularly normal, like, really good. I'll go Drew Brees. I'm pretty sure it's him. I give it, like, 70% confidence. Okay. So, you are correct. The answer is Drew Brees. And actually— Does he have, like, a ton of them? Yes. So, actually, Drew Brees has six of the top seven— 
in in single seasons. The only and and what's really strange is the only one uh, that's not Drew Brees, Drew Brees that's in the top. Wait, 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 seven. wait can I guess this yeah. one? I think I know who it is. Okay, okay, it's it's a wild one, it, but you can guess. Wasn't there a season that, if I remember correctly, which my memory is not good, wasn't there the one season that um, what's his name? Oh, I just forgot his name. I just forgot his his name. He got paid because of that season. Uh, uh, Brett Sam Bradford. Yeah, had like an insanely high completion percentage. Yeah, it's Sam Bradford. Yeah. Yeah. In twenty sixteen, was it twenty fifteen? Twenty six with Minnesota. Twenty sixteen with Minnesota, he had se- seventy one point six completion percentage for Sam Bradford. Yeah, he he had a really good year that year, and I think he got paid because of that year. And I remember like during that year, I remember them talking about how he might have one of the highest completion percentages ever. Yep, yep, so he's up there. See, Trevor, I think you get unlucky with your questions, because I can't remember anything, and you always ask me questions that are, like, specific things that only, like, I would remember. So I feel like you get unlucky with some of your questions, for sure. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I'm, I'm now down six. Uh, the lead has been extended, but, you know, there's always a comeback. It's always a possibility. Hey, there's always next week. But let's get into randomly ranked today. Um, for today's randomly ranked, if you guys don't know what randomly ranked is, it's where we take a completely random topic and rank it. Very self-explanatory. Uh, we are going to take the best 30 for 30 episodes, the 30 for 30 series on ESPN. Are these basically documentaries about amazing sports things, moments, games, uh, players, um, and it's it's a pretty. If you haven't seen the 30 for 30s, I highly recommend watching some of them. Um, but Trevor, uh, I, I'll go first today. Um, I, you know, I, I think I got three good ones. So my third one is going to be, uh, there's no place like home, which is the 30 for 30 on the Kansas Jayhawk fan who raised a ton of money to get the original rules of basketball back in Kansas where he thought it was like it's home. And I mean, I, I don't know if it is or isn't, but it's an amazing story about how this guy got these people, which ended up only being one guy who bet like two and a half million dollars for the original basketball rules. And then he donated it to the university of Kansas. So it's now in uh, their field on field house, which that's a pretty amazing story. Uh, my number two has to be the Fab Five documentary. I, I'm a Michigan fan. I love the Fab Five documentary. It's really really great. Um, I I love all the players, <laughs> pretty much from that those Fab Five. Um, of course, we see, um, you know, Jalen Rose, who's great. You know, they Juwan Howard, current Michigan basketball coach, who's done an amazing job. And naturally, number one, I, I'm guessing we're going to have the same number one, Trevor. It's going to be The Last Dance. I mean, The Last Dance is some of the best TV I've ever watched. It's it's so great. Everything about that documentary was fabulous, and I loved it. Um, and that has to be my number one. Yeah, so th- those are all good choices. Um, I actually did not see No Place Like, like Home, though, so I'm going oh, to I'm gonna have to watch it. Uh, there, yeah, you would love it. Yeah, so... Uh, I, I had some it, it was a lot of tough choices you know I I think there's at least like seven or eight really good ones that I that I know I love so trying to pick between those was really tough and also like the last dance some people might say it's not a 30 for 30 we're, we're for the sake of this podcast we are considering it one um, so yeah I'm, I'm gonna start off two honorable mentions really quick uh, bad boys uh, with with the Pistons mm-hmm. I did not include it but mm-hmm. very close and also Requiem for the Big East. Um, I'm a huge, like, I loved watching the Big East throughout the 2000s. I was really upset when, uh, you know, it kind of got, like, uh, disassembled and some of the teams left uh, because I love the Big East. So that's another good one, did not make my list. Number three, 
I went with the Fab Five. I mean, Fab Five, that that Fab Five, that uh, thirty for thirty was just awesome to to really see like how some of those games went. Obviously, not being old enough to see it live, but watching you know with Chris Webber and the timeout um, in, in yeah. that game and Jalen Rose and just seeing like how now something that's so normal now five freshmen starting we see it almost every year now with at least right. a few teams was so like uh you know not the norm back then so that was very fascinating and also like with the, with the long shorts that they you know brought in the style and just how much it meant um it, it was a great 30 for 30 number two i went with uh, one that means a lot to me and that is Youngstown Boys. Um, I'm from Warren, Ohio, very close to Youngstown. And the the stars of Youngstown Boys, Jim Tressel, the former coach of Ohio State, now president at uh, Youngstown State, and Maurice Claret, who actually played at my high school, Warren G. Harding, then went and played football at Ohio State. Um, and, and this 30 for 30 kind of documents, you know, their relationship and, and Maurice and how, um, you know, he, he kind of developed into this star uh, in college with Ohio State as a freshman running back um, in the championship game, the play he made against Miami, which, you know, th- that's when Miami had all those amazing players. They were so talented and Ohio State uh, got that win. So that was my number two. There's also a couple shots of like the bleachers at, at uh, Warren G. Harding, the high school where I went. So it, it's just something that is awesome. And I know a lot of people I went to high school with also love it. Number one, um, I agree with you. I have to go with the last dance. It just can't be beaten. I mean, there, there were so many nah, like, and, and I've gone back and I've like watched some like full games of like, like finals games where it's like uh, Michael Jordan's playing bulls and the Suns or the bulls jazz. But I, I really loved seeing some of those like in depth, like those conversations, just like when he's just like hanging out and he's like golfing with, with someone or he's, or he's talking with Larry Bird or he's talking with uh, the, um, oh, I forget the guy, but like the guy that was always around him that he, that he hung out with. Um, and just, just so many different conversations and interactions and also the interviews after like him, uh, you know, talking about like with Gary Payton and stuff like that. Uh, so it was so good. I had to put the last dance at number one. hundred percent. I completely agree. Uh, if you guys have any randomly ranked ideas, please send them on and tweet us at the small baller. Um, we'd love to hear your ideas. We, we, we got plenty more episodes to have ideas for, so, you know, we'd love to hear them. Let's move on though, Trevor, um, and move to the NBA. I know you got some NBA thoughts, um, to uh, talk about. So let's kind of, you know, we had a lot of good Christmas games. Um, so why don't you walk us through some of the Christmas, you know, your thoughts on the Christmas games, some teams, what you saw, what you liked, what you didn't like. Let's, let's, let's hear it from our expert. Yeah. So I'm going to go through some of these things quickly. Cause you know, I watched a lot of games on Christmas, um, and, and just a lot of basketball in general. I was so excited about the NBA to start, and we have it here. So the first one I, I want to go over, um, I'll, I'll just start with the first one, the Heat Pelicans, uh, my Miami Heat, who started off the season um, a couple days before that against the Magic, and they lost. However, recovered well in this game against the Pelicans, and I was really excited about this game. Um, obviously, my favorite team, the Miami Heat, were playing, and they were playing the Pelicans, another very entertaining team. You know, I, I was wanting to see Zion play. I was wanting to see Brandon Ingram. Um, you know, they have they have some other fun players as well, like like Lonzo's fun to watch, and they have J.J. Redick. So Pelicans are always a good team to watch. This was a really good game. Uh, the Heat, at one point in the second quarter, went on a huge run um, and took the lead and, and never lost it again. Uh, Duncan Robinson was great in this game, shot very well. 
and you know the heat it's just it's just a recurring theme that really like for one is a credit to spo and also is a credit to the heat culture which which is a term that you know i think maybe some people are sick of hearing about heat culture and and, and stuff like that but also just like the way this team fits um how unselfish they are um, how they can, you know, facilitate the ball. They have great shooters. They have a good leader in Jimmy Butler and, and so many and a lot of young talent. So it's it's been really fun to watch the Heat just like it was last year. I'm in a, And I'm really loving uh, the team so far this year. I like the addition of Avery Bradley. I think that's a good pickup we got from the Lakers. Uh, Precious Achua, the rookie, really enjoying him. I think he's, as other people have said, perfect for Heat culture as well. So I like the Heat team. Pelicans. Um, Zion looked really well, looked really good. He had 32 and 14, you know, but he's still, you know, obviously it's his second year and he only played like 24, uh, or 30 games last year, whatever it was. Um, so, you know, there's some moments where you see Zion and he like, doesn't always know what position to be in on defense, but then they'll like come out of nowhere and get a block, even if he's in the wrong position. It's kind of strange. You can tell, like he's still figuring out things, but obviously the talent's there and Brandon Ingram's also uh, exceptional. So I'll move on to another one. Bucks Warriors. The Bucks uh, destroyed the Warriors, and the Warriors in both of their first two games got destroyed the first time by the Nets. I think by about you know 30 points. This one was about by 40 points. Um, and both ones, the Warriors getting beat bad. And and so with the Warriors, I think it's interesting because Clay likely is going to be out for the whole year. That's been discussed. Draymond, however, who is not playing, is going to be back soon. Um, so that will definitely help. But as of now, you know, it's really like you have Steph Curry, and then it's like, okay, you got Kelly Oubre. He's he's good, but it's like that's not necessarily who you want as your second best player. Or um, James Wiseman, who arguably in, in this game was the second best player, the rookie, who looked pretty good, you know, uh, for a rookie in his, his second game. He played well. But the Warriors definitely have a lot of issues, um, and, and it's tough to see the path to where they could become like a contender or like a even just like a solid playoff team. It's tough to see that path right now. I'm sure Draymond will help with that, but you know, there's definitely going to be uh, some developing that's going to need to happen with, you know, some of these other players. Wiseman's going to have to get pretty good quick if they want to be a good playoff team. I see them as like uh, like maybe like a 7 or 8 seed. I think they're right on the edge of that playoff. Some people a lot of people see them as a higher as a better team than that. But right now, I just don't think Steph Curry has enough help around him. And, you know, he's not, again, Steph Curry's great. He's one of the 25 best players of all time in both of our opinions. But to me, he's not, you know, he's not like a LeBron or Kevin Durant or even a Kawhi in the way mm-hmm. uh, they can carry teams. Steph can't do that. So it'll be interesting to see. The Bucks. I mean, they're they're the Bucks. you know. Uh, there wasn't a lot of takeaways from that. I'll go with one final uh, game in the NBA. And that's the Lakers-Mavericks. And the Lakers, they started off the year in their first game against the Clippers. They, they lost, but I, I didn't really take a lot from that Clippers game um, just because I felt like that game meant more to the Clippers. It was also the Lakers' ring ceremony. So it's like, okay, the Lakers lose by five points. Not a huge deal. You know, the Clippers probably won it more. It's probably more important to them, so not a big deal. In this game, um, I think we saw, like, the first flash of like on showcase of what the Lakers can be. Because it's not like any one player just had like this phenomenal game. It was really a collective uh, team game. I mean, LeBron, he only had mm-hmm. 22 points, um, although he did have 10 assists, 7 
rebounds. Anthony Davis had 28 and 8. But then you saw, like, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. He chipped in. He had 14 points. Uh, Dennis Schroeder shot 7 of 11, had 18 points. And then Harrell with 22 points on 77% from the field. So, you know, this is the first, like, instance of what we're going to see uh, going forward with the Lakers. They're going to be phenomenal. I don't even think it matters if LeBron or Anthony Davis play, like, all the games. Like, they could sit out. Plenty of games. I still think the Lakers are going to be the one seed the West. It's going to be tough uh, to take them down in the playoffs. Yeah, no, 100%. I agree. You know, it's 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 been a good start to the NBA season, and we'll have a lot more to say. We'll have to have maybe a guest or two talk about the NBA, too, at some point in time because, you know, I mean, that'll be fun. But let's move on to our final topic today. And we, we won't keep it too long. I basically just have one or two things to say myself, and I know Trevor, you'll have a couple comments. It's the NFL playoff picture. So let's – I just want to quickly talk about the Ravens. It's, it's going to be interesting because if they win out and the teams ahead of them win out, which it seems like semi-likely that some of that stuff happens, the Ravens could have 11 wins and not make the playoffs. Um, and, I mean, that would be quite the feat, in my opinion, to, you know, have 11 wins and not make the playoffs. I mean, that would be terrible, but it'd be, you know, it's crazy that that would happen. I think they'd be the third team to do that ever. So basically, they just need, like, the Colts or the Browns or the Dolphins, one of them to lose. I mean, that's essentially that all that is needed. Uh, in order for that to happen, and I, I, I feel like it'll happen, you know, knock on some wood, um, but, you know, the Ravens got to win out first, they got the Giants today, uh, they have the Bengals next week, they have two easy games, but, you know, is any game easy in the NFL? I don't know, what do you think, Trevor? I mean, we, we saw last week with the Rams and Jets that I don't think any game is easy, yeah. so, <laughs> which yeah. was a big surprise, by the way, but yeah, I think, I mean, the team, like, I think the Ravens probably will get in because I see, I mean, the Dolphins, they have to go to the Bills. They have to go to Buffalo week 17, or I don't know if, I don't know where the game's at, but regardless, they play Buffalo, and Buffalo's been playing very well, and I think they're going to try to go for the win. I don't, I don't think they're going to rest players um, because it's not like they're in Kansas City's position just with the one seed. I think they're going to, you know, play all the players. They're going to try to win the game, and I think... Buffalo probably will beat Miami. So if, if that happens, which I think it will, Miami is going to be the team left out of the playoffs. And I, the Ravens will get in probably at that seven seed unless the, yeah. unless we see like the Colts um, lose one or two. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting. I think there's a lot of interesting things uh, with the playoff picture. Brandon, I wanted to ask you, like, who, who do you think in the AFC – and, and maybe the answer is obvious, is the biggest challenger to the Chiefs right now. Oh, there's only one team, and it's the Buffalo Bills. And I, I want to point out that it's not just a challenger. They are a, a competitor. I mean, the Bills can play, really, really, really play. I'm incredibly impressed with the team, just collectively as a whole. Uh, and I, I, I think that's who will be. You know, obviously they're going to be one and two. Um, and I think that's who's going to be, you know, those top two teams. But it's going to be super interesting um, you know, if, if those two teams come out on top and it's, you know, one versus two in the, uh, in the, the, the final of the AFC, who comes out between those two teams? Cause I think anyone can win really either team I believe can win. Right. So, so AFC, cause to me, and I think we agree that it's kind of like a two team race. Like the chiefs are the better team, but the bills are, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're coming They're They're very good. They've been a hot team. Um, on the rise so it seems kind of like a two-team race like I think the Steelers they've fallen off enough to where it's hard for me to see them uh, making a run to the Super Bowl at this point Cleveland like we kind of talked about earlier to me they have like a lower ceiling than a lot of these other teams and then just like Tennessee Indy Miami 
Baltimore. But I think Baltimore is actually the only other one that I actually could potentially see, but I just haven't seen enough consistency. But I think the Ravens actually could be that third team, um, in my opinion. But what, what about the NFC? What are some of your thoughts about the NFC? Because I think the NFC is a little more wide open. Yeah, I, I don't know what can happen in the NFC. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of teams that are good, but no one's who's really, really great. Uh, to me, it's whoever comes out between the Bills and the Chiefs is going to win it all, in my opinion. Um, I I have this feeling that the Saints are going to pull it out, but I, I truthfully don't know. You know there's a lot of good teams um, in the, the NFC, and no one who's like head and shoulders better. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, I would have to pick the Saints. If I had to pick one team to come out, I think it'll be the Saints. Yeah, I, I think I would probably agree on that. It, it depends on Breeze. If Breeze was fully healthy, I wouldn't really hesitate at all. I would probably say the Saints. It's really the hesitation because of uh, Breeze's health. But uh, that's that's yeah. a pretty much all I had. Um, you know, the Bucks got the win yesterday. I'm, I'm rooting for them to try to make a run. But we'll see. They've been inconsistent. I think, you know, if they get a good matchup like the Seahawks, they might be able to beat them. Washington actually could give them some trouble. So, We'll see. I, I like the Rams more before they lost to the Jets as well. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think I would take the Saints over the Packers if if they played right now. But I I think the Chiefs are the favorite, and then you know you have the Bills, Saints, and Packers in some order after that. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, I think we will wrap up the episode there for today. Thank you all so much for listening. Really, really appreciate all the support we've gotten on the podcast. Um, of course, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us that five-star review if you enjoy it. Um, we also have the 12th Row podcast on our smaller podcast network, um, which comes out on Thursdays now. Um, and they're, they will be back after a, a little holiday break. They will be back this coming week, so stay tuned for that. And, of course, follow us on Twitter at the Small TheSmallBallers, um, and the link will be in the description. But with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Go Falcons!